it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The Westwood One Podcast Network. It's not your fault you're the way you are. But from this moment on, if you don't change what you want to do and who you want to be, then it is your fault. Never quit. Never quit. Never quit radio. All right, everybody, welcome back to the TNQ Podcast. I'm your host, Marcus Luttrell. Every week, it's my job to fire you up, to ignite the legend inside of you, and to push you to your greatness. Join me every week as I take you into my briefing room with some of the most hard-charging people on the planet. They're going to show you how to embrace the suck of life, teach you the values of working your ass off, and charge through whatever life throws at you. This is the Team Never Quit Podcast. So buckle up, buttercup. The Team Never Quit podcast is sponsored by Navy Federal Credit Union. If your car breaks down, can you pay the repair bill today? Navy Federal Credit Union can help you build an emergency fund for the unexpected. Learn more at NavyFederal.org slash save. Federally insured by NCUA. Marcus, Marcus, welcome back to another episode. There we go. Man, today you guys got one of your own on the show. That's right. Ray Care. It's going to be a great episode, but before we jump into that, let's go straight to a listener story. Uh, Listener stories are the pride and joy of this show. Uh... You guys' stories really motivate us to continue this podcast, and they definitely help all the listeners out there um, get through whatever they're going through. So let's just jump right in. So today's story comes from Jim Frazier. This is Barb's story. My wife and I have been married for 24 years and had our share of ups and downs, but nothing could have prepared us for what was coming in 2017. Our year started really well as we were about to have all our children raised and start our journey as empty nesters and chase our hobby and dreams on the National Archery Shooters Association Tour. Both of us had been working hard to get to the top of the senior pro division, and we were gaining ground. I had made the top five in the nation in my division in early April, and life seemed like it could not have been better. Then the bottom dropped out from under us. I had been having back issues and chalked it up to my job as a 21-year dozer operator when it led to an emergency room visit on April 25th. Turns out it was not a back issue. Rather, I was having an abdominal aortic aneurysm. Okay, things could not be worse, or could they? A week and a half after being released from the hospital, my beautiful, never-sick-a-day-in-life wife started complaining of flu-like symptoms. No big deal, go to the doctor and some antibiotics and be back to new. When things weren't getting better, we returned to the doctor who sent us to the emergency room for some blood work. Upon arrival, it went from bad to worse as her blood pressure tanked to 77 over 35. In the next 48 hours, my wife had to be coma-induced and put on a ventilator. Then her kidneys completely failed as she was without blood to her brain for a day as the CT scan showed blood flow to her brain stem. To make matters even worse, her skin had mottled and all her extremities started to turn black from lack of blood flow. She was in full-on septic shock. Eleven days in a coma in ICU and I was told by her neurologist that she was brain dead. So many people prayed for the most beautiful selfless person I'd ever loved and myself. It was very humbling. This story isn't about me, but it took me getting the point that I knew God was the only one who could change the situation as she was clinically dead. She ran a 109 degree fever and had to be packed in ice and have ice water pumped through her stomach which if you ask me, this is what killed the unknown today virus. When they took her off the coma-induced medication, I knew she was still with me as her eyes would follow me around the room and her blood pressure and heart rate would rise when I walked into the room. They quit asking me to sign a DNR at this point. Doctors and ICU nurses all told me she was a miracle. Nothing I didn't already know, but it's not every day a doctor tells you that. They told me it would be a long road to recovery. Little did I know. After 98 days in the hospital and 11 surgeries, she lost her right hand, half the fingers on her left hand and all of her toes. Not to mention most of her body is now scarred from blisters. She is still beautiful in my eyes and still has some short-term memory issues, but that's getting better every day. She came home the 1st of August that year and had to learn to walk again without toes. Watching her fight to get back to some semblance of normal has been nothing short of amazing and inspirational. I knew how she was before and that she'd fight for every inch. When they told me she was going to pull through, I knew it was God and that had saved my wife. I told him that I would shout from the mountaintops what he did for us and your podcast has been on my heart ever since. There is way more to this story than I haven't gone into about the people around us and the lives that God touched through it all, but that's another story. 
Today she's alive, and May 16th will mark the two-year anniversary. She is still fighting with the biggest never-quit mindset I have ever witnessed. We have resumed our lives with our new normal and continued our quest in the archery community. While I was ready to let all of that go, she is the one who pushes me to continue to chase that dream. Jim, thank you so much for sharing that story. It's, it's super incredible yeah. uh, to hear her story and, and the fact that she was able to fight through and, and you trusted your faith and, and you just uh, you held on and she held on and, and we're so gl- glad that she came out on top. So uh, thank you so much for sharing your story. God bless. Absolutely. Unbelievable. God bless you. Do you love the TNQ podcast? If so, share it with a friend. The show is available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Amazon, and pretty much any other podcast player. We've got a ton of great episodes and had some incredible guests, including Peter Berg, Chris Cassidy, and Travis Pastrana, to name a few. Do you want exclusive access to the show and bonus behind-the-scenes content? Join us at Patreon. You will get exclusive access to behind-the-scenes content, access to the exclusive Patreon community, where you can support others and get rare access to me, Marcus, and all of our incredible guests. Join us at patreon.com forward slash team never quit. Have you checked out the new gear we've added to the TNQ shop? New shirts, new hats, new backpacks. No matter where you find yourself, this stuff never quits. Head over to shop.teamneverquit.com and get yours now. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you again so much for coming back to the TNQ podcast. Again, we have one of our own on the program, so this this uh, this interview is going to roll just like they normally do when we get a frogman in here. And today, our guest is Ray Care. Ray, thanks, man, for coming out and doing this. I know you're on the road, so you're in a hotel room right now, but man, thank you so much. I can't wait to uh, introduce everybody to, to this one. Ray picked on me when I was a new guy. Just want to put that thanks, out. Thanks, brothers. I appreciate it. <laughs> That's good. You're supposed to do that. Is that true? No, it's not. I just said that. Oh. Nobody picked on me. Well, I know that. But Ray's, true. Ray was a big scary guy the first time I ever met him because he was hanging out with Josh, and I was like, God damn, look at this dude. All right, brother. To get into this, man, we're gonna toss out a couple of field questions. It's kind of basically what we were doing in the beginning to just kind of break the ice, get the tempo, how we're rolling, and uh, then we'll just kind of roll yep. into your into the uh, those never quit moments, man. So, hey, brother. Let's do you it. Want, yep. Far away. If you could be a woman. Would you be Pamela Anderson? Okay. What's that one porn star's name? The short one that's on Jenna Jameson. Who would you be, Pamela Anderson or Jenna Jameson? Pamela Anderson, because I'd want to get fucked by Tommy Lee. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. I absolutely knew well, that sorry, exact I'm, answer was going to come because that's what else was in my head too. I was like, dude, if I'm Pam Anderson, that means I got to get bored out by. Old- by Tommy. That's not <laughs> where I thought you were going to go with that, but man, that was awesome. <laughs> the sad thing is that Hayes House it didn't take was brought to you by Johnson and Johnson's <laughs> baby formula and KY Jelly. Jesus Christ. I love you, Tommy, man. Hey, that's a Mr. Wearing the drums out. I needed to laugh like that. Thank you so much. I did not see that coming. <laughs> There's the interview oh. right there. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> oh, God damn. Woo! Okay, sorry. That All was, right, bro. That was great, Ray. Good call. What was, what's one of your most valuable lessons uh, learned that you pass on? Thank you, sir. To, uh, to people that you run into? Uh, most valuable lesson I would, I would ask, uh, tell people is to fucking believe in themselves um, because for the longest time I didn't. Um, you know, I have a, I have an acronym that I use. You know, we use acronyms all the time. Until I until I literally graduated buds, I was a bitch, a bitch. We know what that is. It means I was weak minded. I didn't have the drive. You know, I had doubt. I had, had remorse. I had anxiety. But then when I graduated buds, I became the bitch. And people go, I don't understand what that means. It means I became intellectually sound. I became trainable. You know, I became a communicator and I came, I became hard as fuck. So when I tell people that a lot of people go through life as a bitch. And then what I tell them is you need to learn how to become the bitch. And it holds people back all the time because everybody I meet, you know, it's funny. Every single person I meet that's been successful, they all tell me that that same thing. You know, I should have believed in myself earlier. I didn't start believing in myself until I was about 
think it was 19 years old before I joined the military when I, I looked in the mirror and I saw, you know, I had a rough childhood. I saw my old man instead of seeing me. And that's when I said, dude, this is enough. And that's, that's the advice that I pass on to everybody. You know, I, I train people from underprivileged kids all the way up to Fortune 500 CEOs. And I tell them the same thing. Believe in yourself. And the commonality is a lot of them fucking don't. Even though they, they're at the top of their game or they're at the bottom, you know, they just don't believe in themselves. They're always looking for something or someone else to believe in. And I tell them that's horseshit. You got to believe in you. That's it. No, that's that's great, man. A lot of people think too, like when you graduate buds, you're you're or you make it through Hell Week, you're a Navy SEAL. Or if you graduate buds, you're a Navy SEAL. If you're SQT, you're a Navy SEAL. But if when you get into the platoon, you're just a one platoon wonder. You're not even considered a Navy SEAL. After two platoons, you just basic meat, right? And then you're in the middle, you're a middle guy. There's always somebody above you, right? There's always somebody you have to report to, man. And then it's funny because a lot of guys, when they get out, they step into the different world and they're like, I just want to be the the CEO or the boss, when in reality, we've been trained to anything we go into, we have to start at the bottom. If you don't do it that way with us, we won't, we won't perform like we're supposed to. You gotta, we gotta see the worst part of it. And literally that's, that's actually, you know, I I couldn't agree more, man. No, no, that's the best part of it, man, because you get to relieve that responsibility and become the bitch again. Because after you've made your way up to the porch and you sit up there and you see everything that's coming in, and you're like, all right, man, I'm going to go to a different porch with another, another set of dogs, then you got to sleep on the ground, right, before you make your way in there. And it's, it's kind of one of them deals with us. Yeah. We want to be down there on the ground for a little while to see what kind of fleas are around or anything else, and that way we'll work our way up so we know what's around us. If we cut any of those steps out, it eliminates what exactly we are. And that's just the, the best part about being out now and, and, and looking back at the SEAL community. Because once you're in, you become a SEAL, you forget how cool that is, right? You remember if anybody would have walked in the door that had a trident on your chest, you'd have been like, oh, dude, Navy SEAL. It's, but when you know when we get in, man, it's always – a Navy SEAL is always yeah. trained. It's like every day is a, is a, he's a different kind of frog man. When you step back and you and you you look at it in in that perspective, man, it gives you a shining light to start over in every capacity. That's it's okay to do that, man, because the scene always changes. Well, that's the thing about you know, like you said, man. When I checked in my team, I thought I was a shit. I got I got a, a big glass of shut the fuck up. Right, you're nothing. <laughs> it's, the work's going to start. You know, you start doing one, two, three tunes. There's always someone, and that's the same. You know, I take that same mentality with everything I do. No matter how good I am at something. I know somebody's out there trying to outwork me. And my job, my motto in life is I'm going to fucking outperform the performers. You know, it's and you have to stay humble and you got to stay hard and you got to remember where you came from. I mean, you know, I'm, it's, it's rare that you get three of us together. You know, I mean, I'm sitting oh, here yeah, looking no, no. at two. They separate us. By I've, known, <laughs> yeah, I've known you guys longer than most. And just like just like you two, I'm, I'm sizing motherfuckers up going, hmm, how can I outperform that guy? looking for doors. It's just that mentality that we have, you know, with everything we do, because I refuse, I refuse to be the guy that went to buds and quit. You know what I mean? You know, you, you know, you guys got friends that did that shit. They're still angry with themselves. And I get guys give me attitude because they quit buds. I'm like, bitch, I didn't tell you to quit. I, I didn't. Or the best, the ones that, that know how many, you know? Day, they, so, how many days they um, did. And they hang that over. Like, you know, I did so many days of buds. So I was like, well, did you do the last one? <laughs> I got a guy that, you know, everything on his sites, you know, when I was with the seals, you know, one of those guys that uses uh, the words uh, to try uh, to weave through. I'm like, dude, listen, I have never met anybody that's, you know, that's failed or gotten kicked out of something that makes their life about that. You know, I mean, nobody, nobody's going to remember the fucking quitter. They're not. I mean, I don't know how to tell you that, but you know, unless unless he was such a shit sandwich that you go, wow, he was that you know, bad. That guy shit quit. That's the only thing I'm going to remember. I mean, what they don't understand in reality, us, the guys that made it through, when we get out, man, we literally go into something else. We push as far as we can with people not knowing that we were seals because then once that comes out, then it's kind of then that's the deal break, right? They know that, man. Literally at the bottom end of this, if you don't have any talent, if you don't have anything, man, we will literally work harder than everybody else. And what I was saying, man, after a while, when you get out, you can't appreciate this, but it's the, the, first of all, the moniker Navy SEAL is probably the coolest thing I've ever heard of in the military. The way they line that up, sea, air, and land specialists, the Navy SEAL. I mean, that's just, that's just brilliant, right? Could have been walrus or or whatever, but it was SEAL. And and the coolest part is that little S on the end, specialists, because that's what we are, man. We're specialists in any kind of field, sea, air, and land. If you put us in it, 
Don't put us at the top part of it, man. Throw us, just literally fly the plane over and throw us in the freaking ditch, right? And we will climb out of that soup with everything, you know, with a smile and a, a straight pair of teeth kind of deal. And that's what they've done to us. They've eliminated all those different, those, well, they didn't eliminate them. They put every obstacle we could ever come in front of in, in front of us and, and made us go through that as a team. So that's what happens is they chip away everything and you get to see exactly what it is you are. And, um, man, it's brilliant in its, in, in its development. You know, I, you know, I think just because of my, you know, childhood and, and the shit that I had to go through, there was no other, you know, people ask me, what else would you have done if, I know you guys have gotten this too, man. This is oh, the sure. question that pisses me off. I get them all the time. I get DM'd. Hey, what, what happens, Mr. Rain, you know, they're young, young fucking kids, if you quit buds? If, you know, fi- you know, it used to ignore it. And then I finally just told kids, I don't fucking know, man. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I'm looking at two guys that don't know either. I don't know what it's like to quit at something, you know? And that's the mentality that I'm trying to put in these kids today. They just, everybody has a fucking plan B, man. I don't believe in a plan B. I just believe in, you know, having different avenues of plan A. You guys know what a speed wheel is, man. Time, distance, speed. Oh, bro. We talk about that all the time, man. It's like, hey, look, we don't, that's the one thing in the teams that, and I say this when I'm on stage, like, man, we don't train for defeat. That's not in the deal, man. It's like, we got our primary, secondary, tertiary. This is in and out. If it goes bad, then we'll squat down. And that's what separates us from every other special forces is, man, we don't even start, they don't even start training us till they've worn us out for days and and, and weeks, right? And then that's when they'll put an empty weapon in our, or pistol in our hand. Then you dry fire it for a million times before they even let you put a mag in there. Before they even let you put a bullet in there, you've run through that so many times, man, that it's just become muscle memory. So when the enemy hits us, man, and they think that they're wearing us down and that's, that's a good thing, it's actually not. Because that's when all that high-flying fancy shit goes yeah. away, man, and it just goes back to muscle memory and the basics. And people will ask, like, hey, what is it when you guys go through the house or when you assault the target, what does it look like? It looks just like it does when we train. I mean, it looks literally just like that. And when you hit us, we have something we offset, and then we just keep going because when you're with somebody that – that much and you go through that much freaking pain and chaos you you absolutely know what they're going to do and then in that moment man they train us what to do they pull everything we were away from us and they fill us back up to what it needs to be and then that's what you are when you come out of there something that can be trained to do anything that doesn't know defeat and you're right man when those kids say that never never quit you don't have to say that in my house it's kind of like a bad word like when they say they say look at me like, hey why do you even think about that that's what people who quit are going to go out there think about if that's already in your head, you're in the wrong spot because it should be all I am going to do is be right here. And the reason we say never quit all the time is because we're always thinking about quitting because it sucks. I mean, it's, some of that stuff's hard, bro. I mean, the, the, oh, yeah. in the movies, yeah. that stuff that Morgan and I were, we were watching Navy SEALs the other day with Charlie Sheen and the, the part where they lock out of the sub and do the VBSS oh. op. You know how bad that sucks in real life, right? But that's the, that's the stuff that recruited us I in. <laughs> So it's it's funny how it switches like that because the minute you think the job starts to suck, then you you drop the bubble. It's yeah, it's supposed to suck. That's why we're here. Yeah, no, it's you know I had ups and downs, highs and lows and buds. You know I, I I can sit here and look at both of you with a straight face and tell you, you know there were there were and I've said it before there were a couple times, man, when I I think I was you know I was right there. I've heard some guys that said and maybe you two were one of them, but you know I thought about I thought about where where I was and how fucking low I was. Cause you guys know, man, and bud oh. levels where you've never been pushing. I'm not going to lie. I'm not gonna into it, but steel pier, man. I'll never brutal. forget it. When they said go in again, it was brutal. Uh, I, I actually, uh, you know, Redmond was in my, uh, my buds class and I, you know, my, my boat crew, you know, find little, you know, I was a Smurf crew. I was in the complete opposite fucking crew of you two. And, you know, that's you right. you really? You're on Smurf? I didn't know. That's right. All right. <laughs> That's hard for people who don't know the Smurf boat. That's a, that's tough, man. We got our ass kicked and all I do, you know, and this is when Red was still interested. And I look back at him, dude, and I was just like, dude, just push me in. Cause I, I wanted to go, but my body had just shut down and just said no fucking more. And I was like, dude, right there was the pinnacle moment. If Jason probably didn't push me, I mean, I would, it was, it was one of those things where it was like, uh, you don't know, I'm not going to do it. And luckily he pushed me in that water hit me. I, I came to realization real quick that dude being a bitch, everybody else is doing it. Cause that's what I did in buds, man. People ask me, what's my secret. I would pick, I would pick guys like you, you know, we had the, the dream team up top, the tall guy, six, three, six, four, 
that, you know, it looked like a fucking Baywatch commercial when they were running <laughs> slow-mo and the little guys <laughs> doing this shit. We fucking, we hate it because you guys wanted everything. But I would pick a guy, I would pick, you know, I can't pick two because you both made it. But there was a guy named Banta, Banta. He was a stud, 6'4", 240. And I said, when that motherfucker quits, I'm going to quit. And when he would quit, I'd use the same terminology. Man, he was a bitch. Who needs him? I would pick someone else. Now, of my original 138 that started, we had 51 graduate, but 16 yeah. originals. So only 16. Yeah, was yeah. Only, That's the number you use, man. <laughs> I was only picking the originals because they're the ones I started with. I'll tell you what, man. I was getting down to some slim fucking pickings. I was going to have to start picking people I didn't know much about, you know, because my world was the boat crew, you right. know, and oh, yeah. I had three single that were useless as a fucking third hit. They were useless. They're, they were the hardest son of a bitches, man. I, on land is when it would happen because we could stretch our legs out. That was the only reason because we could turn that boat sideways and haul and we could all step out. That was the trick. Once we figured that out, well, and again, I, I will get in the childhood and if we're not rolling, but them fucking Singaporeans, man, I mean, when we used to have to go out and dump boats, <laughs> they would fucking act like they didn't speak English and they would get out of trouble. And as soon as we would get away from everybody, they'd be like, hey, I showed those motherfuckers. Well, we wanted to dump boat, you know, and they want to do that chem light. Cam, cam light over the head. Light. <laughs> well, they were only they were only like three feet tall. So it, you knew it wasn't legit. Right. So as we're like trying to do that, you, you know. I was like, dude, this isn't going to work. Flip the boat. And they're like, no. So I literally fucking took my paddle and I fucking hit one of them right on top of the head. And all of a sudden, I don't know where he came from, but Mike Mayer, you know, Mike old Nightmare was out there right. in one of the fucking kayaks. And you just hear him, Care Bear, stop killing the Singaporeans. And then he just goes, you know, we're fucking delusional. We're like, <laughs> Is that God? You know, like, you know, he would just pop in. Redmond, Redmond's just laughing. He's just like, fucking kill him, dude. Kill him, you know, because... It got to the point where, you know, cheating didn't even work. We were so fucking miserable. It's just like, fuck it, man. Let's just dump the boat. And they were like, no, we're not dumping a boat. You know, but then when the instructors would come up, they'd be like, I do not understand. I was like, you motherfuckers. Yeah. yeah. But we made it. It's pretty pretty self-explanatory. Well, to fill you in, man, so what happens is we're, when we're out paddling the boats and our boat crew, uh, it, the evolution you're talking about is it's at night, right? And we have these Kim lights strapped to our helmets, to our, our K-Pog life preservers. I mean, it looks like literally a UFO floating around out in the water. And it's funny because every class does this. When the instructors scream out, all you can hear is a voice. I mean, it's just jet black, no moon. You're out in the, in the ocean and you hear, dumb boat, right? And then you grab your chem lights. And everybody's like, hey, move your chem lights over. And so they, it'll pretend like we're actually dumping the boat. It, it, I mean, every class does that because you're out there and you start oh, to dry off a little bit, right? You just kind of warm up just a second. And then all of a sudden, I mean, this guy, they, it's so precise the way they do this that they know that your uniform is about to dry off just a little bit. And they're like, dumb boat. And you got to get in that cold ass water because people don't know that the Pacific Ocean never gets warm. That's why people in California are so damn tanned because they never get in the water. I, I didn't know that. It wasn't in Texas history that the Pacific Ocean <laughs> never got warm. Let's break off into Ray's never quit story. And That's a good I, man. I can sit here and tell Hellwig stories wanna, all day long. Before we kick that thing shows off. Out of it. There's always a misconception in the public's eye that, that they think that, that when guys get into the teams, they come from a background of superior genetics, athletic ability, Ivy League schools and whatnot. And your story lends itself to the – no insulting, the exact opposite. <laughs> You're the opposite of I mean, all you, that. You grew, up, you grew up absolutely hard. I'm a brilliant guy and an athlete, but um, it, 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 there's not a family lineage, if you will, that, that, that puts you on the trajectory that you landed in. And I think that that will – peak a lot of interest out in and and with our listeners to say hey look you know you really don't have to have the the perfect pedigree to do or accomplish something great you just have to have the drive and the motivation so i'll i'll, I'll push it back over to you buddy yeah where'd that come from yeah. starting from uh childhood yeah i'll tell you where it came from man uh baltimore native uh you know irish kid fucking grew up in uh streets of baltimore um divorced family uh Literally, you know, it's funny is I think a lot of it stems from the first memory I can have as a child of my parents. The first memory I have of my child as a parent, or excuse me, as a child of my parents was my parents were uh, arguing. They fucking argued all the time. And I used to get dropped off. And I remember them arguing. But what I thought was is they were arguing about who wanted me, but they were arguing was who was going to take me. So pretty much from as early as I can remember, man, I had a dad who didn't want me and a mother didn't that didn't want me because uh, – 
I don't know if you guys know this or not, but I actually had a brother who was born two years before me. He died on 9-11-1970. His name was Raymond Martin Kerr Jr. People go, wait a minute, that's your fucking name. Yeah, back in the day, man, my father, after he died, was so fucked up when I was born. My name is Raymond Martin Kerr III. He crossed it out and made me a junior. So I literally was already born pretty much the byproduct of something that you know already passed away. So my whole entire life, I mean, I was only with my father till I was 11 because he was murdered, but um, I, w I never met, I think, what his expectations were, um, and he didn't want me. So bottom line, long story short, mother didn't want me. I ended up living with my father. He was a biker. He was a hellraiser, abuser, physically beat the living fuck out of me. I mean, constantly. I developed a lot of uh, lying issues because I would try to lie my way into his heart. Didn't work. Uh, you know, I mean, beat me down pretty hard, um, story of my life. And that's fine. Um, and I think that's where all this stems from. Um, my father got murdered when I was 11. He got into a bar fight, uh, beat the fuck out of a guy. I'm from a place called Dundalk, Maryland, which is literally, uh, Jerry Springerville for Irish guys. I mean, people still talk with, you know, it almost sounds like the, I'm pikey when I talk the way I should talk. Oh. Uh, he beat out of a guy walked home the guy uh hit him with a car and drug him till there was nothing left then i had to go live with my mother my mother um in another shitty part of town called uh reisterstown maryland uh single mom um eventually my mother had ended up she what is she she's been married four or five times um i have a stepsister from there i don't even have a relationship with my mother um and if you had to break it down, you know, just being beat down. I know some of you, you guys can relate to this, but when you're just, you know, you have two roads you can take in life, man. I just got, I got tired of being told I was worthless. I got tired of getting the shit kicked out of me. I got fucking tired of being the underdog. So finally at about 18, 19 years old, man, I mean, I was, I just started some college and I, I was doing exactly what I didn't want to do. I was fucking up in school. Dude, I went to community college. All I did was chase pussy. That's it. Bottom line. I won't lie to either one of you. I had I did. I was getting into drugs. I was fucking – I was literally – if I wasn't an alcoholic, I was probably the closest thing that you could find. Uh, getting into fights, dude. I mean you know, I know your guys' background with lightning swing too. I if, if there was a weekend and I wasn't in a fight – Picking a fight with somebody, something was wrong. And I had all these fucking anger issues and, you know, all this shit going on and bottled up. I'm not going to, you know, one night, and I can't remember, I was about 19 years old. And this is what the deciding factor for me was, was I looked in the fucking mirror. And we talked about this earlier. And when I looked in the mirror, you know, you should see you. And I didn't. I saw this guy with red hair and a beard who was, you know, he's about the same size, you know, I, I am now. But I saw a womanizer. I saw a fucking a drug addict. I saw a fucking, you know, an alcoholic. And that's where I came up with that, you know, dude, you are a bitch. And and I realized I came to terms with if I if I me didn't make a change, you know, most of my friends have been in jail or still in jail. And I just couldn't do it anymore, man. I didn't want to be that guy. I knew I was, I was put here to do something greater, you know, and, uh, even my story about becoming a seal, you know, I told my mother I was going to be a seal. I told my friends, I said, you know, I read this, I read one of the books, man, you know, the deal, man, these motherfuckers are seven foot tall. They can do this. They can, <laughs> can bench 600 awesome. pounds. Yeah, right. But, but what I liked and what resonated with me is someone told me, and this is what I got. They were like, this is the hardest fucking train, even the recruiter and dude, and wait till we get in the story about me even trying to get to this deal. And it's a quick story. But he was like, you know, you're 163 pounds. That's all I weighed at the time. You're five foot seven. You know, man, you come from a broken home. You can't do this. And I was like, motherfucker, where do I sign up? So, you know, best friend, everybody told me I could. Now, here we go. This is something that that fucking hits home. You know, you got to take that ASVAB test, right? Remember that old ASVAB thing? Oh, yeah. You got to score a combined. Yeah. Well, here's what I'm going to tell you. Ray care. You know, these days we make jokes and say, hey, my, my wife, hey, he can't because he ain't fucking smart. OK, I can live with that, but I'm working at it. But I had to take that fucking ASVAB, man. And I'll tell you what, when I took it the first time, they told me you can be two things in the Navy. This is a true story. You can be a medic or literally you can be a cook. That's the only two things you're qualified to do. And I was like, what the fuck? That's a scary so comparison. 
yeah. So I went in non-designated, went off to, um, I went out to Seattle and I was on what's called neutral duty. So I didn't even know what the hell that was. So I'd go out on the boat, come back during a day. Now, how does this pertain to the story? Well, because they told me if you bust your ass in six months, we'll let you retake the ASVAB test again. So I started, stu- I mean, I studied. You know, when everybody was doing stupid shit, I was staying in, I was studying and studying and studying. Six months comes, guys. I took it again, and as God is my witness, you guys know I don't, I'm not going to fabricate. Um, there was a YN, YN1 Conklin is his name. I owe everything to him. He said, brother, <laughs> your combination score, your mechanical skill, whatever it was, you missed it by one point. I was like, fuck. Because here's the thing, man. If I'm on a train going 50 miles an hour on the east and 160 miles west, when I don't know. I don't fucking know. I had to figure all that shit out because before then I'd never been on a train. I don't fucking know. I had no clue. So they were asking me all these mechanical questions. I grew up doing roofing, man. I knew, you want me to put a roof on a house? I can do it. Other than that – there's no way. So then I had to wait even longer. It was like a year because the command said, hey, listen, you took a lot of time up and you do this. So I finally did something that I never did before. And I asked for external help, you know, because up to now, I only relied on myself. And this is what I tell people, man. You can only do so much yourself before you can. You have to rely on certain people. So I went to him man, in tears and said, listen, this is my goal. I have a plan B. You know, I come from, I laid it all out there, man. I had been mentally, physically, emotionally, even a little bit sexually abused. Okay. I, I take full responsibility for that, you know, and he gave me the best piece of advice I've ever heard. And I pass it on to someone. He looked me in the eyes, man. He, I thought he was a counselor. He goes, it's not your fault. You the, you're the way you are. But he looked at me, he goes, but from this moment on, if you don't change what you want to do and who you want to be then it is your fault. And I thought about that for a second. I said, man, listen, yeah, I need help. And he goes, all right. So, you know, through the Navy, you guys know, you got to fill a chit out to fucking wipe your nose. I had to fill out all these chits. Literally what it was, was as I went to some type of learning center and they, it was kind of like school before, you know, before I qualified for any of these programs. And I went to like a learning center and they just helped me with math and they helped me with all this shit, you know, and it was all my own time. You know, I didn't even have a car. I have to pedal my fucking mountain bike there. I didn't have, you know, dude, E2, E3, you know, if if you have money to fucking, you know, you barely had money to drink a beer back then. You know, that's when you were getting like four or $500, every $420, right? (laughs) But I made the decision and I said, you know, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to let everybody dictate who I'm going to fucking be because everybody I knew told me you will never be a Navy SEAL. You will never be a Navy SEAL. It's impossible, you know? And bottom line, year came up. I took the test again. He fucking comes in. I tell you what, man, he had his poker face on. It's probably the closest I've ever come to pissing my pants because I was scared. And he looked at me and goes, straight face, you did it. And I asked him, I swear to God, I said, can I know what my score is? He goes, no. (laughs) And at that time, I was like, fuck it. So- like you said, you know, that's when the work really started. Everybody's like, oh, my God, that's an amazing story. And I tell people, no, motherfuckers, that's just the intro. Then I had, you know, during this, I'm still training. But then, my, you know, instead of letting down, letting my guard down, I just took all that extra time and energy and shifted it over to the PT, you know. Um, and I did, man. And I fucking trained my ass off. And it took me. I think it was three years and three days. Um, but when I tell you what, and what I what I tell people is, is if you work for something, you know, you you two are hard fucking workers. I know you. Um, people, I don't tell everybody, you know, I don't jump on the Latrell bandwagon, but we've known each other for a long fucking time. And what I tell people is, is, and I know you had it in your class too. Wait a minute, there's one of those. <laughs> <laughs> but when I showed up, buds, you know, I was still in the Smurf crew with Redmond and three fucking Singaporeans. But what I didn't understand, and you guys know this too, the first day that you show up, they hammer you, they'll establish who the fucking alpha is, and you do the basic PT test. You guys know, push-ups, pull-ups, sit-ups. Dude, we had like 30 fucking people that didn't make it or quit. And oh, yeah. what I tell people, and what I couldn't understand about that is I didn't understand how these people, if they wanted something so so badly, how they were so willing to give up so quickly, you know? Um 
case in point, you know, and I mean, I'm going to tell one more blood story. And this is this is fucking this besides the story of what I did in third phase that's made me epic um, with Chris Courtley and everybody. I went to sleep. You remember when we moved over? What was the rooms? I can't remember the barracks. Uh, 618. We were in sec- so six, 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 602 to 618, close- right? 604. Okay. 604 to 618. Okay. The one, which, uh, which was the one closest to the grinder? 604. <laughs> That's what okay, a decon strapped to the back of that son bitch, dude, with the cages. So, <laughs> I shit you not, a Sunday night, I went to sleep, and I had two other roommates in my room, okay? You guys remember, they, you'd have three, two, whatever, bunk beds, we yeah, were in four, there. Yeah, four, I went to sleep. We had our Monday morning fucking run. You know, zero, zero, four, zero, thirty. Zero, four, thirty, baby. You know it. Well, anyway, when I got up, I hadn't even realized what had happened, but I jump up, get everything ready. And I head down, you know, I muster up, I'm in the fucking boat crew. We start fucking PT and they come back, you know, we do our thing. And then they start trashing the room. Well, anyway, I'm looking around my fucking room. And when I went to bed, my room was spotless. When I got up and I went in there, it looked like a fucking tornado went through there. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I'm going through this shit. I'm getting hammered, hammered, hammered. Uh, Mike Mayer and Joe Hoss walk in and they go, where are your roommates? And I'm like, I don't know. These motherfuckers in the middle of the night, I swear to God, they got up. Two of them decided this is the mentality they had. We're just going to go AWOL and quit. They left. So I was getting my ass hammered for like 35 minutes until finally Joe Haas went, wait a minute, Mike, where's his roommates at? No one knew. So, you know, by this time, you know, you know, you got your shit in your closet. You take as little as you can. It's already wet and sandy. So I was getting hammered. Two people fucking. And. That's that was one of those defining moments in my life where I was like, you know what, man, I'm happy to take the beating because who would want to go to battle with two guys that would quit on you in the middle of the night? You know what I mean, bro? Man, I that's unbelievable, man. It's true, and I can't make I can't make this shit up. I can't. You know, people are like, come on, that can't be true. I'm like, what do you guys think? I sit around and fucking try to think of cool ideas. No, man, I went to sleep, tired as balls, woke up, and that was it. But my point to this whole story is, is if I think if I didn't have the childhood I had, if I wasn't mentally, physically, emotionally, and you know the other thing abused, I I think I'd I'd probably be in jail or I'd be like a fucking construction worker doing drugs in Baltimore like the rest of my friends, and I wouldn't have you know what I like to think overcome, prevailed, and conquered everything I've set my mind to, you know. I'm glad you explained it like that, man, because a lot of people think you see the the overall well the books. I mean, we started reading the books about Vietnam. I remember when Mojo came in, he's like, hey, man, we're going to be Navy SEALs. It's going to be great. Jump out of airplanes, shoot guns, blow stuff up, scuba dive, and there's a real good chance we're going to die. He's like, these guys. And then you're reading that book. Remember Marcinko's book? He's like, we each, every guy can bench his own weight or 500 pounds, right? And you carry these big, huge rucksacks. You're climbing up the sides of ships that are moving through the ocean. And it just it's so fascinating that you're like, man, I could have an opportunity to do that. Not that it's miserable or that you could die. It's just like, man, let's, let's, let's do that. And that whole, that feeling you get, it's like a feeling, man. You're like, oh, God, I have to be doing that, man. I need to do that. Where do I, what do I need to do? Well, first you got to take this ASVAB test. Man, dude, I have failed that damn thing too. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah. See, I, I actually- I'll go back. I mean, and our recruiter was a SEAL. And I remember Mojo went down there first, started talking to him. Bo Walsh is his name. We're still great buddies with him, man. I, I, he, he's a phenomenal frogman. But I'll never forget, I walked in the recruiting station. He's sitting at his desk. Typical frogman. Had his boots untied, uh, camis on, had his feet up on his desk, and arms kicked behind his head. And he was, just like you said, he's probably 175 pounds, five foot nine or something like that. Oh, he's maybe like 140. He yeah, was one fo- I mean, smurf crew, too. Yeah, just... And, <laughs> Yeah, big old, you know, I tried on his chest. I walked in there and <clears throat> he's like, You're Morgan's brother. I was like, Yes, sir. He's like, You know, don't call me, sir. Work for a living, that kind of crap, man. Yeah. And he, he's like, Well, let's see what you got. And I remember doing the, the, the PT test and yep. by itself, push ups, pull ups. But when you do the whole damn thing together, if you haven't done the whole thing, it's kind of, you know, that's how it gets you. And uh, he was like, watch this. And that dude, I'll never forget, he jumped in the pool and did, what was it, 175 meters underwater? 175 yards underwater. Or 100 yards. And just underwater, then got yeah. out and started banging the push. Anything that we did where we tried to outdo him, he would get in there and just crush us because of the mentality, right? You, you're stuck in that, that, that mind frame of your, that you only know. 
You can't possibly understand what you're capable of until you step into this program, right? And and to do that, you start yes. with what? Now, let's see if we can. Well, you just show up to the office and say you want to be a SEAL. And then they say, all right, well, here's what's next. And it's literally a process, a step-by-step process. The beginning part of me and you and Mojo was that walking into that recruiting office. The end game is, is where we're at now. It's not even over yet. It's still going. That's the beautiful part about it. But you can really, yeah. literally, it doesn't matter where you come from or your background or anything like that, because the military is kind of uh, the, the nuclear family. I mean, we're American warrior class, plain and simple. It's a forever uniform. We step in it. We're allowed to put our name on it while we're in it. And then you take your name off of it and somebody else throws theirs on it and it just keeps going. And it literally, a lot of people look at the military and they see us in uniform standing in formation. Well, that's just about five minutes of it, right? Everything else is a normal life and, and except for obviously some of the stuff that the programs like ours, but you can be a doctor, you can be a lawyer, you can be anything, right? In the military, it teaches you how to do that. And then you get into that, that mindset of what, you think you're capable of and that's what yep. but bud is great at showing you like man i didn't think i could probably do that but since i had these guys around me and we got that done well let's just see what happens the next right it's not you don't look from the asfab to graduation you look from the asvab to the to the next day to the next day to evolution to evolution man because it's supposed to be hard i remember you talking about steel pier man that was like the floodgates opened in my hell week class literally when they said get back in that water and they had us on the flats with the fans on it was just yep. like a mass exit. God, I didn't oh, yeah. think Steel Pier was bad at all. Team, the whole one guy quit, and then the, that guy Banta quit, and then all of them went with them. It's like you know there was the you know there were just a bunch of fucking sheep, man. Or I call them buffalo. One runs off the fucking off the cliff, the rest of them follow him. I'm that buffalo that goes, no man. If I go off that cliff, I'm going to die. You know, and oh. dude, when they left, you know, it's funny because you know the, the 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 Smurf crew doesn't get much kind of eh back at the. T- all guys and when they quit i remember me and rabbit looked at each other we were just like yeah yep roger that guys you know bye-bye you know and it's that's what i i I love about buds it's just that mentality and i tell people you know and i go around you know you guys know i'm doing my boot camps now and shit i tell people listen i'm not gonna i'm not trying to make you a navy seal i mean guys most people you you know as well as i do you know they told you look left look right blah 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 and then motherfuckers were gone but what i tell people is is you know, you can be the Navy SEAL, whatever it is you want to do. And people go, what does that mean? I'm like, let's, I just want to make you the best you can be. So what I do is I simplify things. You know, I know in this world, it's all complicated. I live by three fucking F-bombs, man. They're my things. Family, fitness, and finance. That's it. And people go, you know, keep it simple, stupid. You know, my thing is, is I try to find balance in that. You know, like, you know, some people are like, oh, I'm happy and I'm poor. You know what? I'd be happy. I'm happy. and I don't have a lot of money. I'd probably be happier if I had more money. Would it give me more stress? Maybe. But here's what I could do. The more money I have, the more I can focus on the things I love. And that's my wife and daughter. You know, I just found out I'm going to be a granddad. I'm fucking going to be a granddad <laughs> with my oldest son. I mean, that's fucking insane. Congratulations. You know? Yeah, congratulations. Thank you. Uh, money just gives you a perspective and it gives you a look at stuff you want. Just like, you know, I talk, yeah, with, but the three F-bombs, just focus on those three things. Stop worrying about what other fucking people are doing is what I tell people. You know, if if you guys are doing your thing, you know, that's great, man. I'm happy for you. I, I don't, you know, I don't try to bitch or this or that. I'm happy with what I'm doing, you know, and like I tell, and people always ask me, you know, Ray, you've had such a fucking hard life and blah, blah, you know, whatever. It's okay. They're like, you know, what do you think about the people that let you down? They're the motherfuckers that I thank. I, you know, the, my mother, who yeah, I don't yeah. speak to. Thank you for telling me I'm worthless. You know, all the all the people. Thank you. Thank you, because I, I actually paid. True story. I paid for my mother to come out to my graduation of Buds and uh, Admiral Smith, Ray Smith. Yep. You know, when I shook his hand, I told him exactly what was up. Me and him looked at my mother and I kind of he let me do it. I just kind of waved at her. It was just kind of like a fuck you. And I mean, I'm not ashamed of it. I'm not rude to my mother. You know, obviously, she brought me into the earth uh, in this world. But. Without her putting me down and telling me I'd never amount to anything, I don't think I wouldn't be on this podcast talking to you two right now. I, like I said, I'd probably be fucking like the rest of my friends, 40 pounds overweight, miserable with their life, hair balding, and you know, and that's no dig on them. But they settled and I won't. That's the difference. You know, it's easy to settle. You know, we've been at the top, you know. I mean, you know, when you become a Navy SEAL, that's you know, you still gotta constantly climb. And what I've noticed with people, people that aren't successful is is they start climbing up that hill, and then what happens is that they look down, they get scared, or you know that air gets thin yeah, up there. So yeah. what do they, do? they turn around, 
because they're scared. Man, fucking take a chance. You guys remember when we did the 50 meter, uh, we went down, what was it, in the tower. Remember yeah. when you're going down, the, you know, it starts to get hard to breathe. But then when you get down there, you're standing down there going, what the fuck? This is awesome. All right. You just got to fight through it. And that's what people aren't willing to do. They're only willing to go 12 feet and say, shit, I'm out of air and go back up. The difference between them and motherfuckers like us is we'll go down to 50 feet because we'll trust in the process. We'll walk across and we'll go back up and we'll fight it going back up. And then guess what? It's We did that. I'm not going to look back. I'm not Al fucking Bundy. Let's move on and let's move again. That's what we do. That's why we're so successful. Everything we do. Yeah. And the best part is too, is we've got the guys there with us. I mean, if you see what your buddy doing it, you're like, Oh yeah. Okay. I can do it. I just need to figure out how my body works to get that done. And I, I somebody asked me one time if a warrior is born or if they're made and I didn't have an answer. I just kind of, I went and thought about it for a little bit and I, I, probably a little bit of both so we're all born right and then you you kind of find your path your battlefield and you can be a warrior for law and order for for medicine for for or like what we do right as you go through life kind of gets chipped away in the environment that you're going into and you get molded into the warrior that you're going to become and you're looking at your when it comes to your mom and everything i mean you got the three s man i throw a fourth one on the back side of that and that's faith right faith in not only yourself and everything that you're doing and you know and god and everything else but the belief that man i i can do this i'm no different than anybody else the only difference is everyone tell me that i'm not and people do that because that's just a verbal chess game unless they can physically get in your head and touch your brain you can't be broken Everybody else and all the verbiage is just tones. It's literally a vibration that has come together to send out a message. And whether it's insulting or, you know, it, it's not, man, it's just one of those ways that people try to get something over on you. And once you can have the ability to block that out, to clear that mechanism and just see what's in front of you, um, it, it changes everything. And with, uh, with me, I like, if I'm reading something, I'm just reading it. I can't, I'm not really regurgitating but if i can look up and see somebody doing it and if i can get in there and do it and put my hands on it then that's that's how we learn and you're right man at the top when you climb a mountain you got to start at the bottom and it's one hand over the other once you get higher up there there's not very many people the air gets thinner and if you miss a step man there's you can slip and fall but the beautiful thing about it is is if you haven't skipped a step you don't have that far to fall if you're locked in on 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 each one of those kind of levels but if you do Amen. skip a step, if you try to reach up and go for the top in the beginning, man, the, 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 the faster you get up is as fast as you gonna come back down. Right. Exactly, man. I tell people there's no force to fucking success. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta grind, you know, everybody, everybody wants the shortcut version of things. I mean, that'd been awesome. If there'd been a club course to buzz, Hey, I show up fucking lay out on the beach and no, no, man, you got to go through it together. See what I like about this is I'm on a podcast with two other guys and, you know, it's just like when me and Jason do ours, you, we know exactly what we're capable of. So I can say, Hey, you know what? I can go to a bar with these two motherfuckers. And all I know is, is no matter what, they will not leave me. Now, how many people actually say that and mean it? And I'm not talking about for listeners and this and that, but I mean, like, I'll give you an example. They asked me this when I screened for uh, going over to green, you're in, you're in a bar. You and it was turbo. You and turbo in a fight. You guys are getting you guys are getting beat down. You're outmanned, just overpowered. Roger that. What do you do if you can get away and go out to the platoon and get help, or do you stay there and take your licks? I'm like, well, as much as I'd like to go out and get the platoon, I would. But here's the deal, man. If I leave him, he's going to think I left him when shit got bad. So I'll sit there and either take my licking or, or just get killed with him. And that's the motto that you have to have with like. And I know you guys would do the same thing. And that's what people need to understand, man. Don't just run to the easy route. Sometimes you just got to sit there and get your ass whooped um, to just for you and for, for, for the good of your friends or, or for a greater good. You know, and that's what we do. We, we put on our uniforms and we'll go over there and we'll, We'll take an ass whooping, but we know we're doing it for a greater good. I mean, well, that's, that's why Bud's is such an ass whooping and a drag because I mean, you got that's how you find out who, who's going to stay and who's not going to stay, and that's why you call it success. Everybody's going for the for the same thing, right? And it's the people who are willing to sit in there and and go through all of it are the ones that you consider successful. That's how that works. It's just it doesn't work any other way. It's you have to put the work in. You want to put the work in. I mean, how are you going to explain it to somebody else if you just like, well, you know, I signed up for the Navy, they gave me a trident, and then I did all this. We're like, okay, well, when you wear this is what's the problem with people, the phonies. Like, when you say 
you're a Navy SEAL, it's not just that trident that you wear, man. That identifies what we are because everything that yep. they've created is on the inside of us. They can't take that away. Once nope. it's been put in there, we've got it. And that's, that's the lesson because it was mind, body, and, you know, it was physical, mental, and, and spiritual event with all of us. And once that gauntlet has been thrown down and you go through that crucible, man, you are forever changed. You can't unlearn what we've learned. You, you can't unsee what we've oh, seen yeah. or, or, or turn back. Your body automatically knows that it can handle it. And I, you know, I say chaos and pain is a matter of perspective to the person who's in it. And it's, it's like, man, there's the only easy day was yesterday. We say that cause every day sucks. And if you drag yeah. yesterday's business into today, you're just going to be piling it up. And we don't, we don't do that, man. We get the job done, we hit it. And then, you know, we play just as hard as we work and 12 hours, you know, that whole day work through lunch and get off late. So yeah, it, man. it's, that's, I, you can learn to love that. That's, that's the difference between us and everybody else. They look at us like, man, how do you guys do this? Like, man, we've learned to love it. Everyone will find an excuse, a smidge of a, an excuse to get out of something. We will find, all we need is that little smidge of an excuse to stay in it. And I use that same mentality with everything I do. Like my favorite workout in the gym is a burpee pull-up or a burpee leapfrog. And people go, why? And I'm like, Dude, everybody I, else hates it. People yeah. hate it. I even do said that. Why? Hate. Why would you do that? <laughs> you know, I actually did a podcast with Bedros Cooley, and he was like, why? And I'm like, because nobody else wants to do it. Not to mention, you start doing burpee pull-ups, and you got some big steroid freak doing pull-ups on his phone looking at something underneath the pull-up bar. Hey, man, let me get a set in. That motherfucker will walk away real quick because he knows – whether I'm five foot seven, you know, and you guys are, I don't know, you guys are like almost seven feet tall. You two are enormous. Hey. I, I hate you both when I hang out with you guys. I feel like, like a little munchkin. I'm like, what's up, dude? But uh, just pisses me off that guys are wasting time when, you know, it's like, let's get in the gym. Let's, let's, let's crush yourself as fast as we can and get out and then work on it, you know, cause that's one of my F-bombs. I don't go to the gym to make friends, man. I don't care. I'm not, I don't give a fuck how I look. Who's that one guy? He's like, you got to go to the gym, man. You got them dudes walking around like it's a damn talk show in there. Hey, what are you lifting? How you yeah. doing? I'm going to go over here to the mirror for a little bit. I'm going to hit the water fountain. I'm going to go over to the juice bar. Come back over. Man, you're not supposed to be talking in the gym. Get a thousand reps. Did you hear me? Did you hear? Yeah, I don't do that <laughs> shit. I don't do that shit. I just want to lift. You know, I work out with my wife and we hate people think we actually hate each other in a gym because we compete. Like, you know, oh, I do. Yeah. So, yeah, man. That's what I got. That's that's what I'm doing. Like I said, that's why I do the boot camps because I know people. I'm not the only person in the world that has suffered, and I know there's people out there and they need to learn how to use that pain to produce progress. That's what I do, man. Well, that's yeah, absolutely, man. That's the best thing about you and what you've learned, especially the background, because a lot of people who come from from the early beginning that are better or more stable than the ones that we grew up in. They think that that somehow elevates them to a status of where they can go through life easier. When in fact it doesn't, it's just, you're actually just going for a ride with whoever's uh, facilitating that. And when it comes time to step off of their ride into yours, man, you have, you better be keeping up or at least attempting to better yourself because it's kind of like, you know, the first 18 years of your life, we're in a slingshot and just keep pulling us back. And then they just launch us out, man, it's into the, into the world to see what, what happens and anything you don't teach your kids, somebody else will. Yep. I mean, I look at these parents are like, man, you know, you teach them to, to dress and to eat and everything, but you wouldn't teach them to defend themselves or, or do it. It's like anything and everything they could learn. You, you probably should be the one that teaches them that. And I mean, watching you and, and, hanging out with you through most, you know, our lives and the teams and everything, you, man, you definitely embodied that whole thing. So good job. If there's anything, we're about to wrap this up, bro. Like I said, we've probably been going forever. I don't know, but let's lay out a takeaway. Like if you okay. line out your three, your ass for man, and then, um, and let us know what you're doing now and how everybody can find you and, and yeah. uh, follow you. All right. So, uh, everybody can find me main way. I have a website, uh, frogmindset.com. Check it out. Um, you know, I'm not going to sell anything here. I do coaching. I do boot camps and I have an apparel. Boom. That's it. That's done. Um, other than that, uh, let's see. What do I got going on? I'm doing boot camps. Boot camps is my passion. I teamed up with Bedros Koulian, uh, CEO and founder of Fit Body Boot Camp. We put on boot camps for entrepreneurs. And then from my site, I do private coaching and I do boot camps for anything from underprivileged kids, which working with kids is my passion all the way up to Fortune 500 CEOs. Pretty much I go there, I have a company called Conquer, seven points of performance to master you. Just like with shooting a gun, you want, if you want to hit that damn target, you got to apply the seven points of performance. I'm not in the market to make money, I'm in the market to make people better. 
and it just so happens I get a perk because I get paid for it. Yeah, it's a byproduct and, of helping everybody. That's that's but it's it's not the main product. The, my main product is helping people help themselves. That's how I define success. So you know, www.frogmindset.com. Uh, you can check me out, Ray Cash Care, on my uh, Instagram. I'd like the following. I've got two books in the works right now, one with Troy McLean, one by myself. But you know what? That's so far out. I'm not going to sit here and give people just a tip because, you know, I want people when I tell them something, they can find it and actually see it. So that's where I'm at right now, guys. Oh, man, that's great, dude. Thanks so much for doing this coming out, man. You can't even imagine how many people that you're going to gonna help with this. It's your overall attitude and commitment to yourself and life and everybody else around you. And I'm Mojo and I, it, it's funny how our lie, our paths go. I mean, we, what we're capable of, what they create in the SEAL team. Just think about that, man. Back in the day, they would have sent an entire country over to get bin Laden. They sent a handful of us, right? Anywhere and everywhere we go. And then when we get back, they separate us. Because when we're together, there's really nothing that we're not capable of. Because we understand yep. the dynamic. And we're willing to train and, and go through the good and the bad times with that. Mojo and I started mentoring kids, too, a couple of summers ago. I mean, it's kind of the the feeling you get. Everything that... Like how we came up and then we joined into the program and they gave us all of this. I mean, they made us sea, air, and land specialists, right? You and I, we didn't even know we were special until we joined the military because it said it right there, special forces. So it's, it's man, passing that back because there's a huge gap, bro, in between. We were the last generation of the old and, and the new. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? I know. So it's, uh, I know a lot of those, the young, especially the younger generation, man, they're kind of starving for that that outside environment to learn what they really are. Cause you can't all that phone and computer. That's just an electrical extension of, of what you are, your thoughts and everything played out right there. It's not, but it doesn't give you any satisfaction. And, but if, if it does, it's short. It's just like within a, a couple of sentences, what you're doing, man, is getting them out there and reteaching them how to live. Cause being out in the environment and doing all that, the body wants to do that. It's natural to it. And it wants, that's how it, it thrives. So good on you, brother. Too many keyboard warriors. I like the old days where if, if me and one of you got a problem, we go outside, we talk about it like men, and it goes one or two ways. We shake hands, we go to blows, the other one picks the other one up, we move the fuck on. That's oh, what yeah. Now, that's the thing. Yeah, keyboard courage, man. And people who get – I talked, I've talked. i talked to a couple of team guys, man. They're like, you know, I was reading this thing on Facebook. This guy was talking shit, man. He just wouldn't – I was like, wait, some guy in a town 20 states over – you don't even know what he looks like, and he talks back and, and it upset a team guy. People talk smack about us all the time. That's what happens to team guys. Remember, never forget what you are. And I, I mean, you, you said it exactly right. People can talk smack all day long, but if you really got a problem, man, you know where to find us, man. We're not, you know, we holler back. It's not that. It's not that hard. Yeah, you problem. I'm in Virginia Beach. I tell people you stop by. We can have a beer and talk about it, or we can fucking mm -hmm. we can throw some fucking lead and just go at it. And the lead well, for me is my knuckles. Let's yeah, go. We can go wrestle. All right, brother, man. Well, hey, safe travels, man. Good on you. And uh, we'll be in touch. All right, guys. Much love to you guys and the family. I'll talk to you later. Yep, same out. Out. Did today's episode ignite a new fire in you? If there's one thing that I've learned, it's sharing your story is a powerful thing. There are people out there that need a kick in the ass, and your story could be the one thing to change their life forever. Take a minute to share your story at teamneverquit.com forward slash podcast. Just click on the share your story button in the menu so we can encourage you along the way. Your story just might be shared on one of our upcoming episodes. Hey, do you think this show could benefit someone? Go leave us a review on iTunes. It helps other people discover the show so we can keep encouraging others to never quit. If you're already following us on Facebook and Instagram, then you know that we keep our followers up to date with new gear, new sales, new guests, new events, and tons of other stuff that you won't get anywhere else. If you aren't following us yet, you're missing out. Follow us right now at team underscore never quit. You can also keep up with Marcus at Marcus Latrell, Andrew at Andrew Brockenbush, and me at Mojo Latrell on Instagram. Ray, man, thanks again for coming on here. It's always amazing to have frogmen on here to hear their their pearls of wisdom now, um, later on in life, and especially how it started in the beginning, man, from uh, before we even got into the program, through it, and then afterwards, man. The stories are so unique to the individual that, man, it just it's awesome when we get together and uh, and get to sh get to hear that. Not only that, share that with our listeners. So. I hope you guys took something from that. I know we did. Thank you guys so much for bringing us back. We couldn't do this without you. Um, 
I, I truly don't have the words. Um, but I'd like to thank God for everything, my wife for for allowing us to do this, Mojo stepping up, and um, our whole family. It's been a blessing and a, and a, a great ride. Andrew, we're glad you're here too, brother. So thank you guys again. I'm out. Thank you. God bless.